looking good this morning. How's everybody feeling? You feel as good as you look? You don't feel as good as you look, but that's all right. So glad that you're here with us. Hey, before we jump into the message, I want to give a personal invitation to our worship night that we've got here tonight at the theater. It's going to be incredible. Uh, maybe you haven't had a way to participate yet in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This would be your chance. This is really the highlight of the 21 days. And maybe you would say, I don't know what a worship night would be, so I don't know whether I really want to come. Let me orient you to what tonight is all about. You know how we, when you come into church and you've had, you know, you've had a long week, you've had a, a difficult week, the, maybe the kids were fighting on the way here, maybe you fought with your spouse on the way here, uh, maybe it's just, it was difficult. It's a difficult week and you get in this place and we start with worship and it's not really until about the end of the fourth song that you really start to feel like, oh man, I'm just kind of settling in. And it's like, I feel the presence of God in this place. Well, tonight is about taking that moment and giving you an extended period of time in that place, in that moment, that you can hear God's voice. I believe God has, I don't just believe this, I know that God has something significant of an encounter with every single person in this place in 2018. And so we're pressing into it tonight. The time is six o'clock. Parents, that's especially for you, so you could get your kids fed and that you could bring them out and worship with them. It'll be here in the room with our kids. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. They are going to be here with their, with their hands up, running around, uh, whatever the case may be. It's going to be an amazing night. And if you need to duck out early to get the kids into bed, just go on, go for it. It's going to be a good night. Come on, somebody say amen. We are in, as Rachel said, week number three of a four-part series called Ready For. And we've been talking about this series We've been talking about hope, that we roll over the calendar into a new year, and we all hopefully have a sense of hope that this year is going to be better or this year is going to be different than the last. Hope is great. Hope is a motivator. The Bible talks a lot about hope. And how many know what we often have is sky-level hopes, but some ground-level habits? If we're going to walk into that hope, we actually need to elevate the level of the things we're doing, of our habits. And so this series is about some God-focused principles for life change. And I said last week, if you want 2018 to just be status quo, if you don't want any change, if you just want it to kind of look the same as it's always looked, that you didn't need to be a part of this series. So that means if you're here, <laughs> then you want God to move in your life. Well, this series is all about making the gap between our hopes and our habits as small as possible. Now, the difference between this series and a seminar on New Year's resolutions is that these aren't just things that we want. This is what God has for our lives. This is actually God's desires. These things that we're talking about, they're not just things that would well up inside of us. No, before you would even ask God to be able to make these changes, it's already God's desire to do these things in your life. Week number one in habit Number one was all about putting God first in your life. And we said this, we said if God's in your life, but he's not first in your life, he's not in your life because God is not interested in second place in your heart. Week number two, habit number two was all about changing our thinking. And we said, if we want some new habits for a new year, the habits don't start with our doing, the habits start with our thinking. And if you missed either one of those messages, you can log on to our website or you can go ahead and download our app and check both those out this morning. Week number three, habit number three, is all about aligning with your purpose. It's actually about prioritizing your purpose. Come on, everybody say that with me. Say prioritizing your purpose. 
And this is what the Bible says. We read this last week from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Notice right away that God wants what's best for you. Before you could even have the desire, we said this, to make a change, God already wants to transform you. You don't have to beg God to change your life. God already wants to do it. He will transform your life. And how does he do it? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. God's will is unique. It's personalized. It is for you. God has a will, a purpose, and a plan for every person in this room. It's for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can we just pray? Ask God to help us this morning. Speak to our hearts. Come on, we just need to open up our hearts that we'll be receptive soil to God's word this morning. Can we just bow our heads and pray? God, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, we believe that you are in this place and moving by the power of your Holy Spirit. And over these next several minutes, God, as we go to your word, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open. God, I know it's your desire. In fact, you've already been doing it this morning to pour out your Holy Spirit in this place. God, I know that my words could only take us a little distance, but your spirit, God, can actually move us and change us and transform us. So God, as you pour out your spirit, show us Jesus in this place. And as we look to the NFC Championship game and we know the Eagles don't have their quarterback, Lord, I've been praying since I was a child, since I was a little lad, no Super Bowls my whole life. Why did I end up an Eagles fan? But God, you know the cry of my heart. We need a victory. We need a W. But your will be done. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Listen, I just wanted you to come along with me, right? I don't know. I'm on a media fast. I don't even know who they're playing. Can someone help me out? I, like, I don't even know who won last week. Who's, who are they playing? Minnesota. Are there any Vikings fans in the room this morning? There is. Oh, my goodness. Glory to God. See, well, either way, we're going to be happy in this church. Someone's going to win. Once, once God, we read from Romans chapter 12, once God changes our thinking, he wants to show us his will. Once he changes our, our thinking, he wants to take us on this journey to discover what our purpose is. And that's actually the purpose of our church, to lead you on a journey towards discovering God's purpose for your life. And so this morning, I want to talk about this idea of alignment, aligning your life on God's purpose for your life. When Rachel and I first started dating, she worked for, speaking of the principle of alignment, she worked for three chiropractic offices. Three offices, not one, not two, not three. She was in university at the time. She was attending Trinity Western University full-time, full course load, and yet she had three jobs. If you were a chiropractor in the White Rock area circa 2004, and you didn't have Rachel working for you, you just didn't have it going on. <laughs> Rachel worked on Saturdays for Dr. P.F. Kamwisher. She worked several weeknights for a collection of chiropractors at Peninsula Village Chiropractic, and sometimes she would take on a shift for someone I'll just refer to as Dr. D. I don't really want to give any promo to Dr. D because I think he had a crush on her, so he doesn't get any promo from me today. <laughs> Rachel worked for various chiropractors. She would go to see each one of them because she had had some back pain issues. She had had adjustments from all of them, but there was one who, whose work was particularly effective for her. And so I decided I was going to go see that guy. I'd never been to a chiropractor before. And so I said, well, I want to go to the one that, that works the best for you, the one that you say is the best. And so I went to see Dr. P.F. I went to see Dr. P.F., and I was so blown away by what he told me and, and what he did 
with me in that room. I said, you know, doctor, I, you can kind of see, like, I got this little thing going on here. My, my back's a little bit out here, and I got this pain right down here in, in the lower part of my back. And he puts me down on this table, and he starts working on the top of my neck. And I'm like, no, 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 doctor, you don't understand. You see, I got pain. I don't know, like, he was an older man. And so I'm like, I don't know if you didn't hear me. Like, you know, you want me to write it down? I don't know if, you know, I'll, I'll draw it for you. It's right, right here in this part of my back, right down here. And uh, no, he looked at me and he said, that's where your pain is, but that's not your problem. You got pain down here, but you've actually got an alignment issue and it starts at the top. And I think that'll preach for some of your lives today. You've got pain in all sorts of different areas. You've got pain in relationship. You've got pain at work. You've got uh, just general discouragement and heaviness. You've got pain or problems in your marriage. Maybe you've got financial issues and you spend a lot of time. A lot of us do. We spend so much of our time and our energy and our attention trying to deal with the pain in our lives, but really we don't have a pain problem as much as we have an alignment problem. If we would start by aligning our lives to God's purpose, a lot of those things, those peripheral pains, would just work themselves out. Can I get an amen, somebody? We need to align to God's will. And so I want to take us through some principles of how we get in alignment with God's purpose for our lives. Before we can talk about the how to align section of this message, I want to take us through a couple things that are actually the things that are pulling us out of alignment. Because this doctor, he said to me, he said, you know, before uh, this, this adjustment is going to help you out, but you also need to deal with the things that are pulling you out of alignment. And he said, are you wearing flip-flops a lot? And uh, I was like, I'm a grown man. I'm not wearing flip-flops really all that much. But uh, I'm sorry if you wear flip-flops uh, in, the, in the winter and all that. It's West Coast, and that's you, man. I grew up in another place. We wear shoes sometimes. And so God bless you. Uh, I, he said, are you wearing flip-flops? I said, I'm not wearing flip-flops. He said, are, you know, how, what are you sleeping on? Are you sleeping on, you know, is, it, is your mattress too soft? See, we got to find the things that are actually getting us out of alignment. It's not just how do I get in alignment, it's how do I stay in alignment. So first of all, let's talk about some stuff that's pulling us out of alignment with God's purpose in our lives. The number one reason I believe that we would not be aligned with God's purpose for our lives is that you might not believe that you have a purpose. You don't believe that God actually designed you with purpose. Listen to what the Bible says. This is the Bible. This is not me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's, say this with me, masterpiece. Is it on the screen? Say it with me when it gets on the screen. <laughs> For we are God's, I said when it gets on the screen. Don't all get ahead of me now. <laughs> it might not get on the screen. For we are God's, say it with me, masterpiece. Peace. You know, we have a hard time believing that we are. There we go. Come on. Give it up for Joel. He's working hard back there. You don't want to be centered out. So let's give him a round of applause. Come on. So good. You're God's masterpiece. You know the reason? There's a lot of reasons that, you know, that we don't really feel like a masterpiece, right? Like how many, there's not a lot of us that are going around feeling super masterpiece all, all the time. And the reason we don't feel like a masterpiece is that there's some stuff earlier in the text that talks about how messed up and jacked up our lives were. We don't really feel like a masterpiece, and it's, Ephesians chapter 2 is incredible because he starts with messed up, jacked up, and he gets to masterpiece. And there's some stuff in the middle that we need to grab a hold of. This is why we don't really feel like a masterpiece. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, just nine verses earlier, says, Once you were dead 
because of your disobedience and your many sins. Every one of us has a sin problem. Whether we want to admit it or not, we've got a sin problem. It's not really in vogue in our culture to say you've got a sin problem, but every one of us has a sin problem. Verse number two, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way. That's why we don't feel like a masterpiece. We all know we've got a sin problem. We needed a savior. We needed some help. We couldn't get out of the place where we were. But look at verse number four. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So before you can become a Christian, you've got to have the humility to acknowledge that you've got a sin problem and that you're far from God. And out of that posture of humility, there's only one way to come to God, and it's out of dependency. It's, I need you. I can't do it without you. As we've already said, God won't take any seat in our lives other than the seat of being Lord in our lives. So before we can, every one of us knows the pain of being dead spiritually. And when, when the Bible says you were dead, you're like, no, I was alive. No, you were alive in your body, and you still had your mind, but you were created a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit, your spirit, man, was dead. And we all know that place, whether we want to admit it or not. We all know what it feels like to be spiritually dead, to be spiritually numb. It's like that part of us is not, and that's why there's so much, oftentimes there's so much pain in our lives because there's this referred pain from the alignment issue in the first place. You are a first spirit, your spirit, soul, and body. And so before we can become a Christian, we need to actually acknowledge that we need God. But how I know once you become a Christian, that's where we need the Holy Spirit to come alongside us and give us courage inside to rise up and say, but now, because of what Jesus has done, I'm a masterpiece. And you think, man, I don't really feel like a, a masterpiece. You know, I don't I think that might be pride to say that I'm a masterpiece. Here's master, yeah, masterpiece. Here's why it's not pride to say that you're a masterpiece. If a painter creates a great looking painting, no one looks at that thing and says, you know what, that canvas and that ink did a real nice job. The credit goes to the creator, okay? You are a masterpiece. You've been created by God, designed by God, and set free in Jesus Christ so that you can live for him. Some of us rob God of his glory by staying stuck and hiding behind our past failures and present feelings of insecurity. But how many are glad this morning that you had a God that saw through that and when you reached out your hand and you said, I am dependent and I need you and I can't do it myself, he lifted you up and he said, I'm gonna turn you into a masterpiece. Is there anybody in the room this morning that's thankful that God has a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. I love what the Bible says. The Bible actually tells us that God started with the purpose. Here's, what, here's, why, here's how God made us into a masterpiece. Verse 10 goes on and says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Come on, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. So we can do the Say this with me, or maybe not. I should got to stop. I got to stop doing that, man. I got to stop. I got to stop doing that. So we can do the good things he planned for us 
long ago. Long ago. Some of the translations say the good things that he planned for us beforehand. Here's why the Bible says that God prepared the good things a long time ago or beforehand. God had your purpose before he made you. You had purpose before you had a pulse. God didn't make you, look at you, and then try and come up with a job for you. God had a job for you to do, and then he made you to walk that out. And now some of us, in fact, all of us, have written some of our own chapters into the book that really shouldn't have been there. But how many know when we come back and we get some things in alignment, God starts to bring back some of the stuff that he created us for, and he can kind of fast forward some things, and he can restore some of the years that the, that, that the locust has stolen the Old Testament. It says he can restore some of the chapters where you went wrong. He designed you with purpose. He had the thing for you to do before he even made you. One of the things, the biggest thing that can pull us out of being aligned with God's purpose is the, is the misidea, the misnotion that, that you don't have a purpose from God. Now, the Bible is very clear. God made your purpose long ago. He made it beforehand. He made it before he even made you. You're here with purpose. And that is why there is so much pain in our lives when we're not aligned with God's purpose. Purpose is not an afterthought. Purpose is not something that we try to slip in and fit into our schedule. God's purpose in living for his kingdom is not one of the many things that should fit in our busy lives. It is the thing that you start at the top, and when you start there, a whole bunch of the other stuff comes in to alignment. You look at people that are living with purpose, and you see them going through life, and they got stuff going on, and they got difficult things going on, but they just seem to roll through it differently than other people. Because when issues come up, and challenges come up, and scheduling challenges come up, they find an ability to stay on mission in the purpose of God. That brings us to the second reason that we can get out of alignment. That was the first one. That was a long one, that we don't think we have purpose. The second reason we can get misaligned, things that pulls us away from God's purpose, is there's just so much competition for your time and attention. There's so much competition for all of our time and attention. A lot of us think, actually, that it would be so difficult for us to even do the will of God. In fact, some would even say impossible for me to fit the will of God and the purposes of God into my schedule right now in this season. That would just seem too impossible. There's so much competing for our time and attention. So how do the people that are able to live aligned with God's purpose do it? Let's finish with these three how-to things from God's word. How do we live aligned with purpose? The first way we live aligned with our purpose. This is the how-to section, three things. The first one is this. We've got to decide what's important. We've got to, if we're going to ever live with alignment, we've got to decide, first of all, what are we trying to align to? What's important? And this is what the Bible says. Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians 3, verse 7. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. And Paul had been talking about how he lived before God got a hold of his life. He'd been talking about the way that he thought and the things that mattered to him and the things that other people had told him were important. And he says, you know what? I used to think that those were the things that were of value in my life, but then I found Jesus. He says, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the, look at this, infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he says, this is what I used to think was of value. And then I, once I got aligned with the purpose and plan of God for my life, I realized nothing else even had value. 
apart from Jesus. I think that's the way that we need to pray. I think that's what prayer often looks like. We're in 21 days of prayer, and this really isn't my message, but this is a little sidebar on prayer. I mentioned before that Rach worked for three chiropractors, and, and one of the things, I used to pray every day for five things in a way. I, I would pray for these five things. I'd pray real specific, and one of them was that she would be really passionate and really motivated for life. And so this is what I prayed. I'll take you through my list. You know, single people, you might want to, you know, don't use my list, but, you know, I did really well, so maybe use my list. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's a good list. I prayed first. I prayed first. Oh, yeah. Someone in the front row just what you did well, right? I was like, I don't know if that's like a backhanded compliment or what, but I'll take it. Thank you, Jesus. Number one, I prayed that she would love God. Top shelf, top priority, that she would love God, heart and soul, all that she was, and she does. The second thing I prayed is that she would love me. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't want her to, you know, I just don't want someone thinking that I'm gorgeous. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about, guys, right? Like, love the man, not the muscle, right? You know what I'm talking about, guys. Let me... You know what I'm talking about, right? I wanted her to love me. That's right. <laughs> Third thing that was important to me is I wanted to have a joy, joy for life. Again, I don't know why there's laughter in the room, but let's go on. That was a serious point. <laughs> I wanted her to have joy for life. I just want, you know, I just wanted someone who was just fun to be around. I prayed for that. And then I wanted someone who was motivated, like three jobs in university, and she went to church and went to like early morning prayer, and she was part of a small group. Uh, maybe she had too busy of a schedule, I don't know, but she was like, she, was, she had passion for life and it was visible. And the fifth thing I pray was that I would like her family. Now, here's the, here's the point, here's why I run through all that. We need to understand, first of all, that prayer is not about taking a list to God. This is my little like 21 days of prayer, just like little note. We're in day 15, come on, we still got six days left. There's some of us just need to latch on to some deeper prayer in these six days. Something is going on in our church, by the way. We had, I think, 20 people out for prayer the first Saturday morning. Then we did zero promotion. I was, none, like, none of our leaders were on social media that I'm aware of. If they were, God bless you. Uh, no one knows, so it's good. You just got away with it. Um, so, uh, sorry, just, our leaders were fasting, if that's confusing to you. We didn't, we're, not, we're not a controlling church like that, you know? Sometimes we just tell people not to do things, and then we expect them not to do it. But whatever, we're not that controlling. <laughs> so, we didn't really promote the second week at all. We weren't really out on social media. Nevertheless, we had more people show up week number two than week number one. And it was like, I mean, it was straight fire in the room yesterday morning in this prayer. We were praying like next to a hockey rink and, uh, and uh, a swimming pool over across the street over there. But all the fun stuff was going on in the prayer room. So uh, prayer, here's prayer. Prayer is not about taking a little wish list, <laughs> wish list to God. In fact, we should not even begin to pray until we realize that God is the only thing we need. That should be the starting point of prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer more than anything in the start of my day is a reordering of my life to my heart to be on God. Prayer is not about my worries and my wants and taking them. Otherwise, prayer actually just becomes a place for me to lust after and want more stuff. That's already what I'm doing with most of my day. Otherwise, prayer just becomes like another expression of all the stuff that I want. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is God. I don't even know what I should want. In fact, I'm just going to start my day and say, you're the only thing that I want. But how many know, once we get to that place and we live with some awe and wonder at who God is, how many know he reveals himself to be a father, which means he wants to know the stuff that's on your heart, which means as single people, you can get a pen and paper and write down some stuff that you want in a spouse because you serve a father that loves you and wants to know the desires of your heart, everybody. Come on, can we just get a little excited for the last six days of 21 days of prayer and fasting in this house? God's doing something. God's moving. God's stirring things up. So we talk, the first thing, we got to decide what's important. 
Paul says here, I used to think that these things were of value, but, but then I, I recognized, God, you had to reorder my priorities. You had to reorder my thinking. First thing we got to do if we're going to prioritize our purposes, we got to decide what's important. The second thing we need to do is we need to eliminate the non-essentials and calendar the important. Because it's one thing to say this is what is important to us, but if it's not hitting your calendar, it's not important to you. And so you've got to eliminate some non-essentials and calendar the uh, important. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews 12.1. Let us also lay aside every weight. You know, sometimes it's like the, we live across the street from a school and, you know, you see every morning the little, the little kids, they're going to school and they got backpacks down to their knees. They got, I don't know what they're loading these kids up with, but they're like hauling coal to school every morning. And these kids, they're just like leaning back like this as they're trying to walk to school. They can't run like that. They can't accomplish much like that. But if they're going to actually, if we're going to accomplish what God's called us to, we've got to let go a little bit of what's in the backpack. And he says, and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God's called us to run. Rach and I, we've just decided for the race that God has called us to, we've got to eliminate some non-essentials and we've got to calendar what's important. And so here's just for what we've had to do for ourselves to be able to run the race God has for us. Here's our weeknights. Monday night's family night. It's just us and the girls and as much fun as we can possibly have. Wednesday night's about leadership. I lead a weekly lead team meeting every week on Wednesday nights. Thursdays is a date night, glory to God. Uh, you know, whether it's, it's getting out or whether it's just after the kids go to bed, having calendared time to work on our relationship, to talk about and pray about what God is doing in our lives, what we feel called to, that's Thursday nights. Friday nights is our small group. Saturday nights is praying and prep for Sunday mornings. The rest is just family and rest and grocery shopping. But that's what we've decided that we need to do. And you don't need to follow what we do. You just need to decide what's important, clear off everything, get what is important on the calendar first, and just build around that. Start with aligning yourself to God's priorities and his purpose in your life. And the last thing, the third thing that we need to do is from time to time, we just need to take some inventory in our lives. We need to take inventory. In Psalm chapter 39, King David is taking some inventory of his life and he prays a prayer. And I want to read this. Maybe as I read this, you want to take this opportunity to be a moment where you would take some inventory of your own life and your own heart. He says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Maybe right now in this moment, God's speaking to your heart about some things that are out of alignment that he wants to bring into alignment. Maybe what you need is to actually come back to tonight and spend an extended period of time in the presence of God to actually begin to hear his voice calling you, wooing you as a good father, and saying, hey, here's what's important for your 2018, to set aside some time in the presence of God. Take some inventory in his presence tonight. God has so much for you in 2018. It's his desire to transform you. Your sky-high hopes are not as high as the desire God has for transformation in your life. But if we're going to get there, if we're going to accomplish it, no, we've got to let go of some things. We've got to decide to align ourselves first and foremost to the purpose of God in our lives. That's why as a church, the centerpiece of the journey that we want to take you on as a church uh, is about discovering your purpose. 
And that's why I want to ask everyone in the room, I want to ask you for one month that at some point in your Resonate journey, you would take four Sundays and go to what we call next steps. Because every single one of those next steps is actually built around you discovering a little bit more of God's purpose for your life. Today's step three, you can jump in at any point. Our heart and desire in that is that you would discover the purpose of God. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. Because as I said last week, every single week, we've got worship and then we've got a word from from, from God's word, and, and these things are delivered to you through human means, but we actually need to press into the presence of God where God actually begins to speak directly to our hearts. He bypasses anyone else's words and he just begins to speak directly to you. So can I pray for you in this moment? Can you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you that your presence is in the place this morning, God. And I thank you, God, that you're moving by your Holy Spirit and, and bringing us into alignment, God. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning, some people specifically about areas of their life that you're wanting to bring into alignment. God, that every part of us would be yours in 2018. God, that you would take our words. God, that you would take our, our eyes. God, that you would take our hands and our feet. God, everything that we do and that it would be leaning towards you and prioritizing the purposes of the kingdom of God in our lives. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, we just... Say, speak, God, speak to our hearts. Now, in this moment, maybe there'd be some of you in the room this morning, and the alignment issue actually starts at the very top of who's Lord in your life. And if you're being honest, you'd have to say it's you and not God. It's God's desire to be in the Lord's seat of your life. Because God has a plan and a purpose for you. He wants to make your life a masterpiece. And if you'd say, you know what, I'm just, I'm not there. In fact, you'd say, you know what, if I, if I died today, I wouldn't know where I stand with God. Before we close this service, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. That means salvation is not contingent on what you do. It's into who you believe in and who you put first in your life. And so this morning, before you leave this place, you have an opportunity to leave knowing that Jesus is Lord, that you have been forgiven, freed, and that you are on a path towards discovering God's purpose for your life. And so if you'd say, yeah, that's me. Jesus is not in the Lord's seat in my life. God's not number one in my life, but I want him to be. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer, and I want to invite you to the front. We won't ask you to stand up or embarrass you, but I do want to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand to acknowledge today is my day to decide that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you all over the room, would you just shoot your hand up as high as you can and hold it there for a moment? No one's looking around. It's just between you and God in this place this morning. Say, yeah, would you pray with me before we close this service? Jesus. Just give you one more moment. Say, yeah, that's me today. If you raise your hand or today you didn't, but you know you need to get right with God, would you pray this prayer with me? Just echo it in your own words. Say, dear Jesus, my heart is yours. You're the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. I believe you died and I believe you rose again so I could be forgiven, so I could be free. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Align my life to your purpose. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen, amen. Come on, church, we put our hands together for those who made that decision for the first time or maybe ready to re-decision today. So good. In your seats this morning, there are those Connect cards that Rach mentioned. I want to ask everyone of you to just go ahead and grab that. The reason we ask every one of you is that we are in these 21 days of prayer. We want your prayer requests. Everyone in the room, we would love to get your prayer requests. If you don't write, like writing with a golf pencil, you can go ahead and just log on to our website at the very bottom of our homepage is a place where you can put prayer requests. Every single one of those prayer requests is going to get picked up and prayed for in our Saturday morning prayer. And our prayer team commits to do more than that. They commit to pray for you every day this week. So let us know those prayer requests. And while you're doing that, if today you made that decision to put Jesus in the number one seat in your life, would you let us know? Would you let us know there's a little box that says, today I made a decision to follow Jesus. You can check off that box drop it in our giving and card box. We simply want to send you an email this week letting you know what your next steps will be. That first step that you just made is so important, but so are your next steps. We want to let you know what they are, and we want to let you know that we're on that journey with you. Come on, somebody, one more time. Can we put our hands together for those that made that decision in this place today.